Hello, everyone. Before we start our conversation with Tanya McNabb, let me tell you about this podcast. Saving Tomorrow's Planet is giving a voice to people from around the world who are actually doing things themselves to save our planet. Our purpose is to inspire people like you and me to take lots of steps, some big, some small, which together will make a difference. Success is that you steal ideas with pride from the people who we interview on the podcast and who are doing great things. And this is why, at the end of each conversation, we ask our guests for tips and tricks that we can all follow to reduce our footprint. They're things we can do straight away and easily. Personally, I've given up on governments to take responsibility, provoke big companies and startup companies to make giant, huge transformational innovations that will dramatically reduce our emissions. But even in big companies, in my experience, change is led by brave individuals who relentlessly drive the change against the odds, and most employees actually are still unwilling to rock the system. We're inviting experts, entrepreneurs, and passionate people across a whole range of subject areas, from the food we eat to the plastic in the sea, from new energy, new forms of transportation, from fashion we wear to packaging we use, and from across the world, from England to Brazil and China to the USA. So if you too are doing exciting things as an individual, an employee, or as an influencer, or as a leader of a company, please do get in touch so we can hear and inspire others about what you're doing. Just email us on production at savingtomorrowsplanet.com. Direct message us or go to our website and contact us. Today, I'm talking to Tanya McNabb, who has spent her career in the luxury goods market as a buyer and retailer. I want to hear Tanya's personal journey from a buyer for luxury goods to championing what Tanya calls a new type of luxury offered by the new sustainable luxury brands. And then, of course, to hear Tanya's tips and tricks that we can all embrace. We met in a WeWorks office near Chancery Lane in London, and Tanya starts by telling me about her early career. I launched the Ethical Fine Jewellery online boutique, La Maison Couture, which originally we launched actually in 2008 as a lifestyle online marketplace. And then after after a few years, we soon um, established that actually we were selling jewellery. Jewellery was 10% of the merchandise assortment, but 60% of the sales. So it made perfect sense for us to reconfigure the whole uh, website and the merchandise mix. And we relaunched it in 2015 as a jewellery-only online website. Um, And as soon as I started to delve deeper into jewellery brands and looking globally at uh, jewellery designers, it became very obvious to me that there was a serious problem in terms of production and the way gold is mined. And I became very aware of the ethical problems within the jewellery industry. And having met a number of brands that were working with recycled gold, that were working very intensely to um, improve conditions in small artisanal mines. It really inspired me Mm. to really want to promote these brands that that were making a difference, that Mm. were having a positive impact. 
Because I don't think as a consumer buying jewellery, it had ever occurred to me Mm. to ask, where does the gold come from? Who's made my jewellery? Where were these gems sourced from? What kind of mining conditions? You know, what... It, it had never occurred to yeah. me when you buy a piece of jewellery as an engagement ring. Yeah. For, you know, do you think, yeah. what am I actually giving my potential yeah. bride? Am yeah. I giving them a diamond that has been mined and people have died? Yes. I mean, you don't think. No. So it inspired me to really want to promote brands that were working ethically and responsibly yeah. and also to really hone in on these brands on website. What is interesting is how Tanya then became an entrepreneur with her own luxury e-commerce business and how it evolved in response to consumer demand. I've always been in luxury, started out mainly in fashion. I worked originally, my, my first uh, role as a buyer was at Brown's right. on the street many years ago. Um, and then I worked for Joyce Boutique in Hong Kong, which was an incredible experience in the 90s. Right. And then I came to Harrods, where I actually spent some time working with the designer jewellery. I actually had to reinvent the jewellery department. And with all of the wholesalers and designers that I was sourcing from, I never thought to ask them about the provenance of the And where it all came from, yeah. Where it all came from. Mm. It just wasn't something you, you needed to mm. ask. So I think coming back to present day, that's one of the things also that has encouraged me. Um, I'm shocked, actually, yeah. to learn about some of the conditions in the mind. So I think a lot of that harks back to that. So with Tanya's background clear, we got on with the conversation and I wanted to know about where the consumer is when it comes to making a conscious decision to spend money on sustainable fashion items. Right now, I can honestly say it's difficult. Consumers want to do good. I think there is enough of a message out there about sustainability such that people know it's an issue. People know we have to make a huge impact by 2030, achieving our sustainable development goals. People know that. But actually turning those into actions is very different. It's a different thing. And Mm. we're not there yet. Mm. People, People know what's right but don't necessarily do what's right. Mm. And it's about changing consumer behaviours. Tanya then took on a new role as COO of a brilliant new business idea to overcome this consumer apathy or fear even of buying sustainable brands. This new venture was about promoting together all sorts of sustainable luxury companies. What exactly did Tanya do? So the Mayak Collective was founded in 2018. It is a collection of sustainable brands with the philosophy that brands can go further, faster, better in collaboration rather than they can on their own. So pooling resources, Mm, um, working together through PR, social media, Mm. retail venues. Mm. There's a lot more you can do and to put your message out than you can as a small sustainable Mm. So the Maya Collective was about bringing over 50 brands that actually uh, we've worked with almost 100, putting together a retail platform Mm. for them, finding pop-up locations, um, pooling all of our resources, and promoting sustainability and a one-stop shop for sustainable brands. Because I think although consumers 
may want to buy sustainable brands, maybe they do want to do the right thing, but it's quite hard work yeah. at the moment, working yeah. out, well, who do you buy from and how yes. do I know if my brand is sustainable, yeah. my favourite luxury brand, you know, what are they doing to the planet and yeah. how are they treating their people? How do you find out that? Which is why initiatives like my collective are the future, mm. because consumers should be able to know that they can shop the my collective mm. and all of the brands there have been checked out. I wondered if this was just a small-scale idea or if collaborating like this is the way to bring credibility and trust to the consumer and bring market impact to these small, disruptive, trend-setting companies. It has been phenomenal. The engagement that we've had with the Mike Collective across social media has been incredibly impactful. Mm. People want to hear the message, people want to understand it, but it's actually getting them to spend isn't quite there yet. Going forward, I think the future, it's as much a responsibility for consumers, I think, as it is yeah. for brands, because consumers need to create a demand. Yeah. There are brands out there that are really embracing change, mm. luxury brands. It's a journey for all brands, and it doesn't happen overnight. This is good to hear that the concept of a collection of brands can work. I think all of you as listeners would like to know, as I do, which specific brands have caught Tanya's eye and should be watched and supported by us all. I think the most interesting brands to me are the ones that are working with a circular business model. Those brands that are working with waste materials yeah. are really having an impact. And I think the future of fashion will have to embrace more of that, whether it is working with upcycled materials, working with uh, waste plastics. Mm. There are a number of fabrics that have been made out of all sorts of fishing nets, yeah. um, incredible technologies. Mm. And I think that some of the most inspiring brands at the mm. Collective have been the ones that have been working with waste. There are brands such as Elvis and Cressy, who is um, a leather goods yeah. brand. They make handbags and leather accessories from disused fire hoses. So they have built their whole uh, brand based on recycling fire oh, hoses, right. such that you know they've been immensely popular. That is a great story about a brand collecting fire hoses, because I didn't know that there were that many discarded ones to warrant a business. However, Tanya assures me that she's seen the mounds of hoses at their factory. What I'm interested in is what the big brands are doing to address their waste and how they are recycling it. Tanya shares some interesting information. They have also just done a deal with Burberry, right. a oh, Burberry gosh. foundation, whereby um, over the next five years, Burberry will send them X tons yeah. of leather of cuts right. from their handbags, which Elvis and Cressy will then use as raw materials for their new. But what I'd like to see and what I think is really exciting yeah. about that partnership, and I always use that as an example, is that you know, here you have a really creative and innovative brand looking for raw materials, and here you have another brand that has a lot of waste. Yes. And one person's waste yeah. can be another person's raw materials. Absolutely. And there you have a, a, a zero waste mm. partnership. Mm. I mean, it 
all sorts of kind of car car mm. companies are doing. I think Jaguar are doing are they? It with yes with um, waste steel. Oh, are they? I didn't know that. Yes, uh, I think there, there are a lot of companies across mm. all sectors that are trying to find ways to partner with mm. companies that have a waste issue. So when you look at what they produce, two key questions for me is, number one, does it look really good? Would you want to wear it? And number two, you know, what's the pricing? Because I guess subliminally consumers might say, well, hang on, if this is made out of waste, then the basic material was free and therefore it does the price sort of reflect that they've actually using free stuff. You know, there's a lot of labour that goes mm. into these things. Mm. And, you know, you're not just paying for the raw material, you're paying for the labour and the craftsmanship. Yeah. But I imagine... An Elvis and Cressy handbag is not the price of a Burberry. Right, it's not. Okay. Um, but I think but that's with your really with your eye, did it look aesthetically really good from your point of view? I mean, is it something I you have one. right? You have one. Yes, okay, great. I know many people that oh, have good. them. They're, they're okay. fabulous. Okay, they're, they're great. Fabulous right. I mean, they're doing fantastic. I don't believe that Burberry would want to um, have a partnership no. with a brand they didn't think yes. were doing great things. Uh, that's great. Um, that's great. So, and another brand that we have, Bethany Williams, yeah. who is a menswear designer, actually, who has recently won just been announced designer of the year and she works with or has done in the past worked with food wrappers waste food wrappers oh, right. she's partnered with tesco and the uh, Vauxhall food bank for um her collection her end of year collection creating woven materials oh, right. out of food waste many of us have heard about clothing made from discarded fishing nets this time, Tanya is telling us about all sorts of other materials being collected and used for fashion. Some of you, I'm sure, will have boxes of old music cassettes in the attic, and Tanya has found someone who has a use for them. Another designer works with disused cassette tapes. Now, there's an idea, because and actually we've all got tons of cassette tapes. Haven't we? So she did what she's using that's the a heat, that's that's a heat, heat. Sorry, he's using the plastic or the actual that little he's using the, the, actual the material that yes, um, yes, tape material. Yes. Oh, really? Well, it's amazing. That's actually. clever, actually. The, the creativity when yeah. you can see, you know, how you can weave it in. Yeah. They use the leather off offcuts and they they make them into tiny bits of yes. fabric, and then they have a weaving technique. Okay. Them mats. And so, same with the cassettes, you can weave anything. Yeah. Bethany's done fantastic things with old books, you know, and woven the, you know, literally cut up the pages of oh, books and woven them into fabric. And and actually, you have to look very closely yeah. to see that that this is not. That's obviously not a normal woven fabric, mm. but you have to look very closely to see to see what mm. it is. But actually, the pieces are stunning, and um, but getting consumers to pay. A price for that, which is super labour yeah. intensive. Yes. When they could buy a Balenciaga coat for the same price, yes. it's actually getting the consumer mm. to say, yes, but this is beyond luxury. Yes. This is a different kind of luxury. It's getting consumers to say, that was luxury, but what does it mean tomorrow? It's a different way of defining what luxury actually is. What I really like about doing these podcasts and speaking to all sorts of people is that we really do learn new ideas and concepts that we can all apply to our jobs and companies. So here's a new idea from Tanya, what she calls a new kind of luxury. I mean, across all sorts of different brands, you know, you might have a social cooperative in Rwanda that mm. has made your, your jewellery, you might have drug rehab mm. um, hospitals who have been taught how to weave. You might have prisoners who are 
being inspired to be creative yes. and, and learning how to, to work with textile fabrics. And when you're buying into those clothes, you're buying a beautiful piece that you will wear and love forever. You're buying something that is really creative and innovative. You're also buying into a social enterprise. Yeah. You're giving back. You are. You know that those the people that have made it have either got jobs that wouldn't otherwise mm. have jobs. So you're buying so much more mm. than just a luxury item. Mm. I think consumers just have to understand that it's our responsibility mm. to shop better, to yeah. buy better, to buy clothes better, to use clothes better and dispose of them better. Yes. And I think it's going to be a little tricky as a yeah. consumer to work out how do we do that mm. and where, who do we buy from. Mm. Um, and maybe we have to do a little bit of research and maybe we have to check out our favourite brand mm. and have a look online and mm. have a look behind it, ask the questions and demand a bit more transparency mm. from our brands to say, well, okay, what are you mm. doing? How are your clothes no, made? I like and that. I will either choose to mm. continue to buy from you mm. or I will go somewhere else. We can now see many small disruptor brands starting to act truly differently. But my concern and premise is that big brand organizations are unwilling and unable to bring innovation and be innovative. When you talk about the big brands in luxury and fashion, we always think of Stella, who is a pioneer yes. and um, is doing amazing yeah. things. But all of, you know, all of the brands, all of the caring group brands... Are they? It's a journey, yes. so no one is going to be able to say that they're 100% sustainable. No. But I think you have to have the right philosophies in place. Is there any brand you've seen of those sort of carrying type of brands who are doing something which you know fits into the difficult box but definitely is making a point, particularly around the circular economy, because actually I'm with you that that's the interesting, a very interesting part, because that's about dealing with waste. Nothing comes to no. I, I can't think, maybe I should know mm. the answer to this question, Jeremy, but I can't think of, obviously apart from Burberry, that I can't think of one of the big right. brands that are really heavily working yeah. on waste. There isn't one that yeah. actually comes to mind. It is this struggle that Tanya shows to call out any major brand other than Stella McCartney and Burberry that has inspired her to take a sabbatical and go back to college. She's studying sustainability so that she can be armed with more facts and expertise with which to engage the big brands and big luxury companies. It's impressive to see Tanya dedicate herself to changing attitudes and pushing through real change in the luxury fashion industry. I am increasingly, with every day, becoming aware that we really have to do something and we have to do something fast. And working with um, the Maison Couture, my ethical fine jewellery business, I'm working with the Maya Collective. I've come across a lot of sustainable brands yeah. um, doing amazing things, but it's not enough. And they've got it, you know, they're doing it. Yeah. Um, but what about all the brands that aren't? Mm. And the brands that you mm. mentioned yeah. and some of the bigger, the luxury brands, mm. what about what about them? Mm. And how do we empower them to really make dramatic change mm. in their business? And equally, how do we look at emerging brands, brands that are coming out of St. Martin's or Royal mm. College? How do we look at those and say, embed sustainability right at the beginning? Yeah. That's the easiest thing to do mm. uh, when it comes to design. There's no excuse. And how, how do we ensure that tomorrow's fashion is 100% sustainable? Yeah. 
So for me, I think I just felt, okay, so we have the Light Collective, we, we are promoting all of these brands, but now I need to, A, go and find a way to reach established brands yeah. and see what can I do on a consulting basis. Tanya knows from personal experience, both running her own sustainable jewellery company and then being a COO of a collective with many entrepreneurs, that really building sustainability into the everyday go-to-market business model will at least save the planet, can definitely be profit neutral, and will progressively drive sales. On many levels, yeah. um, you know, whether it's the bottom line, whether yeah. it's social impact, whether it is increasing sales, reputation, yeah. what cannot be, you know, doing good for the planet, yeah. for sake, what cannot be good about okay. it? But a lot of big brands, I think, are so steeped in their own processes and their own way of doing things are quite afraid. Yeah. Well, Tanya, it's now time for your tips and tricks that our listeners and I can easily adopt to make our contribution to living more sustainably. When it comes to clothing and how, how you use your clothing, which is the area yeah. we're talking about, but, you know, how do you think about washing it and care ah. for your clothes and the laundry. You need to wash your clothes less, I'm afraid. Right. Yeah, right. We have to wash our clothes yes. less. I hope she's doing that. We do have to. This, this shirt I'm wearing is actually the second day. Is it? I, no, it's a new thing I'm trying to do. No. <laughs> Seriously. Well, we do. We have to use less water. In the old water. days, we used to be like that. Yes, we have to use less water and we, we have to not tumble dry things as much. Oh, right, yes. Um, particularly oh. your running gear. I mean, the running gear yeah. with all you know, synthetics. Yes. Um, you know, I like to run, I know you like to run. Yeah. The Lycra and all of those synthetic fabrics, they're a problem with the microfibers. When you tumble, you put them in the washing machine, it all ends up in the water. So my tip, which yes. is not a new thing, but is, is the mesh laundry bag, is the guppy bag right. that you can buy for yes. 25 quid yes. on Amazon or something. But you have you put all your synthetics in there, it captures... 99% of the microfibers. Oh, you're right? not washing them ah. uh, down the sink. So that's certainly... So that's, can I build on that? Because that's a big idea. I, I thought you were also going to say... It wasn't my idea. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's an idea I haven't thought about and therefore others might not do. So are you also saying don't tumble dry and work synthetic because if you just hang it up, it will dry almost instantly. Yes. So it's obvious, but I'm just thinking, I've just actually washed my kit and I put it in the tumble dryer and I could have easily just hung it up because it would have dried instantly. Well, in the summer, you know, you're like where you go yeah. running you should take it off and hang it out mm. in the sunshine to dry. Mm. Good. Good. Um, so that's a good... T- any other ones you'd like to share? Tending to repair rather than replace. Yes. Well, I always reheal my shoes. Okay, good, yeah. And there are some incredible techniques for repairing clothes. You know, I'm always darning my s- sweaters. You are? I do darn my good. sweaters. Yes. No, I think this is important, actually. Yeah. So let me tell you, I've started darning. Now, yeah. you may say, my gosh, Jeremy, really, you're darning? No, but, I um, I, as a kid, I used to like doing it. And now I've got my sons, and we're actually, we've repaired a whole lot of things that probably in the past we might have thrown out. So actually, it's good to hear um, a repair story. So tell me a little bit about your darning, because that would be inspirational for people, I think. Well, I've been, in honesty, I, I darn my clothes a lot. Right. I've darned my clothes for years. Okay. I've had much loved sweaters that, um, you know, the horrible moths yeah. attack. Mm. And um, I almost do it just to get back at the moths yeah. because how could you do that yeah. to my favourite sweater? And it's very easy and very quick and, and nobody would know. Um, and where do you get the, the wool or the cotton from? Because, you know, the funny thing is in the olden days there were haberdashers. Yes. And is there... They're not, 
they're not there anymore. So what would be the advice about how do you actually get the darning materials? I've got an endless supply of okay. cotton for all sorts of events, but you can actually pull a bit of thread from the garment, depending on the size of the hole. You can get a bit of a bit of thread. Yeah. Good, Tiny. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you very much, and good luck with the finishing your course and going to the big companies and uh, getting them to be more sustainable. Thank you, Jeremy. Good. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Tiny McNabb, and don't hesitate to contact us so that we can share your stories too. 